Waspinator, what are you buzzing about? Oh, mighty Megatron, Waspinator just listening to Fanholes, a science fiction, fantasy, and pop culture podcast made for fans by the fans. Yes, I see it now. With the power of this podcast, I could rule space and time itself. Quickly, let's listen. Waspinator already doing so. Ah, yes. Folks, welcome back to Fanholes Podcast. Uh, we are going to get to a lot of myriad topics this week. Not really a very theme show like we've been doing a lot, but hey, sometimes the best topics are the ones we just kind of wander back and forth on. Just kind of go over what we may be going over this week. Maybe. No, definitely going over. We've got Worst Best Spinoff. Basically, everybody watches TV shows. Everybody watches a little bit of the boob tube every now and then. If you have a really good show, more than likely Hollywood's going to give you a spinoff. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not so good. Basically, going to go over that in a nutshell. Also, going to do some Disney movies, the animated features from the Disney Corporation. There's been a lot of stuff they released. I mean, almost damn near 100 years worth. I mean, 20 years short of 100 years, lots of movies. We're just going to pick our best ones, the ones we really like to see, the ones we maybe just, as Disney princesses would say, fell in love with. Not that gay, though. Someday your prince will come, Tony. I know, right? <laughs> uh, we're actually also going to go over Dark of the Moon this week. Dark of the Moon is one of those movies that, you know what, I'm going to be really negative, so I'm just going to leave it to people who like it to be a little bit more positive. <laughs> so we'll go over that as well. Not a Michael Bay fan myself, but some people did enjoy it. For the future, yours and mine's, we're going to talk about the Green Lantern animated uh, series that's going to be coming out in the near future. There's a couple of teasers, a couple of trailers released for it. Not a whole lot of info, but we have seen some stuff. We're going to give our little opinions on it. This week, we may be missing a Brian. He may be here, he may not. So if you hear something in the background, don't be scared. That's just ninja magic. On the other Turn hand... <laughs> Brian, go! However, we do have the rest of the fan holes here. Uh, as far as they go, I am Chainclaw Tony. Uh, who else is here tonight? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm a Brian Ninja. <laughs> this is Mike Thunderwing, and I am the law. <laughs> this is Grimlock, and I'm the last debutante of Bot Talk. <laughs> I don't know if I want to know what that means. Spin off! Is there any word more thrilling to the human soul? But, yeah, we'll go ahead and jump into the topics this week. We got the worst spinoff, best spinoff. Again, like I said, TV shows, once they get really big, you're going to have some stuff spin off from them. It's usually good. No, it's not. Sometimes it's really horrible. But there are some good ones out there. Derek, you ever seen a spinoff that made either cringe or actually go, hell, this is actually worth it? So for this topic, I, I came up with the, both answers to something I thought was like the worst spinoff. And something I felt was like a really good, you know, fun spinoff that I enjoyed a lot for the worst spinoff. Everybody knows I'm a pretty big fan of comics and everything. 
And the show was already tough enough as it was, but there is a adaption of a Malibu comic, which was later absorbed by Marvel Comics, called Nightman. And that was done by Glenn Larson, who did the original Battlestar Galactica. And it was kind of cheesy. You know, Nightman was just supposed to be kind of a street-level superhero who, uh, you know, played a saxophone, kind of like Shadow Man from Valiant Comics. He was a musician, and, uh, you know, he was supposed to be a street-level type guy who could sense evil. You know, like if somebody was thinking like, oh, I'm going to cheat on my taxes, you know, he would like hear it in his head or whatever and go stop them. Or, you know, normally it was something like, I'm going to go, you know, kill a bunch of stewardesses. And then Nightman <laughs> was like, on the case, you know. But Nightman, uh, this character in the TV series, because Nightman on the TV series ended up being a little more goofier, kind of like Glenn Larson. They gave him a super suit, and he could actually fly and a bunch of other goofy shit. Uh, but another character that appeared on Nightman was a, a, a character that got his own TV series for a whole eight episodes, and this was called Manimal. And Manimal <laughs> was a uh, guy who was uh, basically, he could turn into any animal you could think of. But most of the time, he, like, turned into, like, a cat or a bird. But I guess he just didn't think really hard or whatever. But supposedly, he could turn into, like, any animal he wanted. And um, it was it was a funny show. So did ever, I'll just leave it at that. Did he ever like, turn into a ferret or something like that? I don't even, you know, it was on for, like, eight episodes. And the majority of them, he was always turning into a bird, like, flying after people. Or, like, turning into, like, a cat. And you're like, well... You know, you'd think like a, not like a house cat, but like, you know, some kind of, you know, wild animal, like a cougar or a panther or something like that. And you'd think after all that, like, you know, that would not be the most inconspicuous animal to turn into if you're like, you know, basically, you know, hunting down like, you know, criminals and fighting crime and stuff like that. So it was kind of like, you know, a cheesy, you know, anamorphish kind of TV show or whatever. But, um, yeah, so I, anyhow. I, I don't even remember it, so <laughs> good job on that one. Yeah, yeah, it didn't last very long. It's a cheese ball series. I, I only know it because I really like, you know, comics and stuff, and so I like Nightman. But I remember, you know, I was like, I couldn't even. It was tough enough for me to, like, sort of watch Nightman week after week, so I wasn't going to, like, be like, hey, Manimal is so awesome. <laughs> like, no, no, he's not. As far as the best spinoff, uh, the Carol Burnett show had a spinoff of a show that I really, really enjoyed. And I remember at first when I was younger, I didn't get this show that much and I didn't enjoy it. But as I, I got a little older, I, I watched it in syndication and I thought it was pretty funny and really enjoyed it, which was Mama's Family. <laughs> and so I, I just I always like remember watching that show in syndication and enjoying that show a good deal. You know, I liked, uh, you know, Mama and she's always making fun. Bubba! You know, like that, that kind of stuff. So, you know, I, I I thought it was pretty cool. So. Well, I'll back you yep. up on that. Like, my that's one of my granny's like all time favorite shows. So, I grew up watching reruns of it, and you know, like at at first I didn't like get it. I guess because I was a little kid. But as I got older, I was like, yeah, I see why my granny likes this. This is genuinely a, a funny show. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, actually, you know what? Not gonna lie, I don't know if I was a huge fan of it, but Mama's Mama's Family was a enjoyable show. You could sit down and be like, "Huh, that family is pretty fucked up," <laughs> and that's where the comedy came from because her entire clan, if you will, was just beyond stupid as being a nice word. <laughs> uh, what about you, Justin? What was like a you can do 
both like Derek, or did you just have one you were going to focus on in particular? No, I picked one for each. For worst spinoff, like I was tempted to go with the James Bond Jr. animated series, but uh, <laughs> it's extreme. <laughs> Uh, even though he's technically James Bond's nephew, I don't know why he's James Bond Jr. Uh, ultimately, I went with uh, the TV show Joey, uh, which oh. was a yeah, which was a spinoff of Friends. And uh, like, I always liked Friends. Like, I, I hated it whenever they would uh, rely on the whole, you know, Ross and Rachel thing. Like, I got really sick of that. Like, I liked all the other characters. So, whenever it was like season finale time, I was like. Oh, wonder what they're gonna do this year. That's you know some kind of crazy Ross and Rachel thing. But like uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed Friends. So when it came time for Joey, I was like, oh okay, well you know Joey's a funny character, so I'll watch this, and it it was pretty unwatchable. Didn't really. I mean, even I don't even have to tell people who've seen it how bland and boring it was. It was just so. Yeah, it, it was pretty much the complete opposite of Friends. It was boring and uninteresting, and none of the, you know, new characters Joey interacted with were, you know, they weren't worth a dime, pretty much. Yeah, it was like the whole plot basically was like, <clears throat> Joey just made it big, he's going to go to Hollywood, and like in the second episode, it's like, oh, Joey still can't make it as an actor. Womp, 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 you know? <laughs> yeah. But for, uh, to focus on something good for the my favorite spinoff, I picked uh, Xena Warrior Princess, which uh, was a spinoff out of uh, Hercules Legendary Journeys, or was it Adventures? I, I think it was Journey, or maybe Adventures, I don't know. Uh, I don't remember. We'll have, but to, we'll have to IMDB it now. <laughs> um, my uncle is a, is a huge fan of like some of those older you know, sword and sandal, you know, goofy camping movies. So he's a huge fan of Hercules. So I remember sitting down and watching Hercules, and it's it's journeys, just so we can ah <laughs> put it to bed. <laughs> we we get our effects straight around here, guys. Yeah, uh, always. <laughs> but I can remember, uh, you know, watching uh, Hercules with my uncle, and then he was, I came over one day to watch Hercules. He was like, "Hey, guess what? That Xena chick got her own show." I was like, "Oh." I don't know about that, but uh, it was it was a fun show. Like it was always you know super campy and over the top, but uh, it was always entertaining. And like you know, you had uh, uh, Bruce Willis would always show up as a telecus, you know, the thief, and he was always fun to watch. And yeah, you mean Bruce Campbell, right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the the two Bruces. Hey yo, I'm Bruce. Uh, I'm Bruce, uh, you know, uh, talk is I gotta, I gotta, you know, grab one hook and stuff, you know. Yippee Kaye, motherfucker! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, can't believe the day I'm having. <laughs> Sorry, Justin. <laughs> Crisis of the two Bruces. <laughs> but it, yeah. it, it, had, it had nothing to do with like the very subtle and not over the top lesbian uh, relationship between Zena and Gabrielle, though, right? What are you talking about? I mean, there was no subtext <laughs> at all for that. Like, it was some kind of like uh, anti-gay crusade or something. <laughs> no, like, what's funny about that is uh, a good buddy of mine was into uh, watching the show too, and uh, like his parents didn't let him watch a lot of stuff. Like, I would, I would take like Babylon Five and Deep Space Nine and Voyager, and then he would go to his grandmother's and spend the night and watch those tapes. 
So uh, he uh, he got into watching Xena reruns, and I would you know take some episodes for him. And then one day at school, he was like, "Hey, you know, in the opening credits, they always show Xena uh, like you know getting into like a, a hot tub or something with some other chick. Like, when does that episode happen? Like, I want to see that one." I just kind of <laughs> just kind of laughed at him. <laughs> like that's the one I want. <laughs> actually, actually, I agree with you though. I think Xena was actually superior to Hercules in a lot of ways. Yeah, like the first season, like I haven't actually seen the show in several years, actually. But I remember the first season when it was, you know, just kind of okay. Like it didn't, you know, kind of like me and Derek talk about the Space Nine. Like I don't remember Xena getting like really, really good until like you know second or third season, but. uh it was definitely like in the end, it ended up being very superior to Hercules, in my opinion. How long did uh, did Xena run for? I want to say like, like seven or eight years. Yeah, I must okay. say I, I was going to go with six or seven, at least like seven, and definitely. Yeah, it, so it seems like it had a pretty long-lived life. That's pretty good. Yeah, I, I guess I'm going to go ahead and jump in with mine, just because Justin didn't take the one I was going to use, so I'm so happy about it. Probably my worst spinoff ever. And I'm surprised because he's a Sentai Power Rangers fan. Would be Master Rider from Saban. Master Rider. Master Rider. And the funny thing is, is in in the Sentai canon, there's a show called Common Rider over in Japan. It has nothing to do with the Super Sentai shows, really. Basically, Power Rangers and Master Rider in Japan have nothing to do with each other. Over here, however. Saban gets rights to various shows, and they're like, yeah, you know, we'll make these shows and whatever. And their brilliant idea was like, hey, let's have Power Rangers introduce Masked Rider. And that was the beginning of, I think, season two or three of, like, Power Rangers. They go to Eden. I think it was season, season three. <laughs> yeah. Season three. Yeah, they go to Edenoy, <clears throat> where Prince Dex, which is, you know, a very manly name is being thwarted by Count Dragon and his forces of evil and yada, yada, yada. Power Rangers are there, two episodes, just to be like, hey, we're popular, we're gone. And then it's Mass Rider, and it's such a horrible show, because it's it's not really a Sentai show in the fact that there's some kung fu, there's guys in costumes, there's giant monsters and stuff, but it's just really funny because in Japan, there's a different audience. Over here is this guy riding a motorcycle a lot. <laughs> hey, uh, Tony. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I'm going to disagree with you on is uh, Dex's Earth Mom. Hot. <laughs> Hot. <laughs> I, and, and that's that's cool. I mean, you know, I'm not saying there wasn't some you know bright spots to the uh, entire series. One of the things that really killed it, though, and I know Justin will agree with me on this, fucking goddamn. Motherfucker Furbus. <laughs> oh, it was like if a gremlin before they were like the Mog- Mogwai. Yeah, it was like if a Mogwai fucked a uh, Furby. And, oh, I just wanted to kill this character. It was supposed to be cute, comedy relief, and run around and get into trouble, and Dex has to go save it. And you just want to strangle the damn thing in the first episode. It was beyond annoying. I hated the thing. Would you rather deal with a Furbus or a Robert Burble? <laughs> a Robert Burble. At least they had like kind of a cool speech pattern, like Robert Burble. <laughs> you know, if I got to hang out with Candace Keita, I would I would deal with a Robert Burble and a Furbus 
all at the same time. Help! Punch my way through stuff. I don't care. <clears throat> I, the other thing that really annoyed me again is is Prince decks. Apparently, the kid who played him was pretty adept at martial arts. I guess he won a couple of tournaments and stuff. I, I I'm pulling my memory banks on this one. I don't know if he was really a big star or not, but he was actually proficient in what he did. However, unlike your Tommies or your Jasons from Power Rangers, he was this lanky, skinny, barely out of his teens, if that's being generous. He looked about 17, 18, and he was so soft-spoken and just, you know, ahaha, socially awkward because I'm an alien, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm on a different world. He just really did not buy that this guy was, you know, Master Rider. Because I think, I think the footage was taken from Common Rider Zoe. Is that right? Mm, I'm not sure what Common Rider series it was from, really. Yeah, I could be wrong, but it, it was it was the Green Common Rider. But it was just it ran for two seasons, I think, because he actually got upgraded to Common Rider Black and Common Rider Blue. Uh, it says here the original footage was taken from Common Rider Black RX. Oh, okay, okay, cool. Yeah, it was just it was a mess because and Count Dragon was. More or less along the lines of, like, your really bad Saban villains, kind of like we were talking about. <laughs> well, I wasn't talking about uh, We were talking about I was talking about it to a friend of mine, Lothar from Ninja Storm, or <laughs> Diva Tox from, like, Power Rangers Turbo. <laughs> Just what like, about Grimlord? <laughs> Just, yeah, it was in that vein. Just, oh, God. <laughs> well, Furbis, Furbis seemed to be, like, the... the Dude, the little dude from Power Rangers Turbo, the movie, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot his name too. He was like the little midget douchebag. Yeah, yeah. So he, he was like he was like Gwildor, but with like no clothes or something. You know? <laughs> yeah, and all he all he would do is do this little shuffle everywhere. He would just shuffle around and be like, "Eh, Furbus," you know, <laughs> just like, Arr. "You, you living angers my soul." <laughs> so- I remember watching the uh, the Power Rangers episode when Master Rider showed up, but I don't remember watching a lot of Master Rider itself, or at least when it was originally on. I don't remember watching it a lot. I think like I would I would tape shows because I was you know this is going to date me as ancient, but I was in college when that was airing, and I remember taping shows off of a wired antenna because that's all we could get because there was no like cable in the dorm rooms at the time. And so I have, I, I used to have like all these tapes of like really UHF poorly, you know, snowy, <laughs> you know, tapings of like Superman, the animated series and, you know, whatever else I was into at the time. And, and I remember sometimes I would have to leave stuff playing, you know, cause the timer wasn't set properly. Yeah. And so I know I remember, you know, having a couple episodes of uh, Masked Rider on some of those tapes and stuff like that. The best thing I can say is if you actually like Sentai and stuff like that, Common Rider is actually a good series. It's very popular. Totally check that out. Mast Rider, leave it to the sands of time. As far as good spinoffs, I'm very, again, happy nobody brought this up. And we'll actually reference it in another podcast at a later date, or earlier date, depending on when this airs. But Deep Space Nine, it actually was a spinoff. It uh, had a really good premise. It took off from uh, Benjamin Sisko, who is a character who loses his family in the attack of the Borg on Wolf 369, right? 359? 359? I think it's Wolf 359. 359. 
and he's dealing with a lot of shit. He's first of all, he really does not like Bakar because Bakar became Locutus, and he was kind of responsible for it. He's like, "Have we met? Yes, at Wolf Three Five Nine. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. He's yeah, he's not a happy camper about Picard at all. But at the same time, like we said at uh, various points, Deep Space Nine takes a while to get into. The first couple of seasons, not bad. Don't get me wrong. It's not a bad show at all, even beginning. Just not very engrossing. But, oh, damn, when Worf comes aboard and the Dominion War really starts to kick into gear, you're like, oh, this is what you could do with the Star Trek universe if you actually have some creativity, if you actually go forward something original, you know, and the cast of characters really meshes really well later on. You have Garrick, you have Kieran Reese, Odo gets more tolerable. First, I really hated him. And that's what a spinoff should be. It should be a show that actually may seem kind of not so great the first couple of times you see it, but there's a premise there that actually has something worth building on. And that's what I always appreciate about it. They actually ran with it instead of just being like, we're going to stay on the space station. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I so. think one of the things I, I really dug about Deep Space Nine was I remember, you know, on the next generation, sometimes they would only have enough money to do so many models and ships and stuff like that. And I remember, like, the the episode in particular where Data gets his command, you know, and he's actually in charge of his ship. And they kind of refer to it as, like, oh, the fleet, you know, the Armada, the fleet is moving in. And I'm like, it's four ships. (laughs) It's one, two, three, four ships. Like, that's not an Armada, you know, like, it's only four ships. And then, you know, by the time they got to Deep Space Nine, you know, they had a lot more CGI as opposed to all these you know, model shots that they, you know, originally used these massive models and stop-motion technology and stuff like that. So by the time, like, there were fleets and armadas in Deep Space Nine, I was always like, yeah, now this is a fleet. Like, there's, (laughs) like, tons of ships, and it's, like, you know, basically like bugs, you know, like, swarming all over the space station and everything like that. And I'm like, this is a fleet. And then uh, since Tony brought it up, I just want to mention that uh, Jeffrey Combs is, like, one of the greatest actors, like, ever in the universe. And he played so many... He, he played so many characters on Star Trek in general, and especially on that TV show. You know, he was Wei Yun, and uh, he was he was um, the Ferengi. What, what Brunt. was his name? Brunt. Brunt, yeah, Brunt. You know, like so, like you know, he just played tons of guys, and and he's he's awesome. I love Jeffrey. So. Oh yeah, yeah, and just to go to uh, <clears throat> random fan love because I didn't get to do this on the other podcast. Uh, one of my favorite episodes of D Space Nine is where the entire, I, I want to say it's Klingon fleet, maybe, before they become friends again. Because there's a little period of strife between the Klingon Empire and the Federation. They're like, you're not fighting the Dominion, rawr, you suck ass. And well, Space- they, they break they break the treaty from Star Trek VI. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And D Space Nine is a space station. I mean, really, it's it's a waypoint. It's not really any kind of tactical you know, unit. It's supposed to be there to refuel, get some supplies and all that. And Call Meany, who plays Chief O'Brien, is sitting there is like, All right, defenses are ready. I don't know if we're gonna survive this and like you're like, Oh man, this is just gonna suck. And then Deep Space Nine 
turns into the fucking last starfighter with all these fucking pods coming out with fucking phaser banks, quantum torpedoes and shit, and just starts shooting every fucking direction, like, taking down all these Klingon birds of prey, all this shit, and you're just like, yeah, you know, this little fanboy fangasm. You're like, I did not know a space station could just beat the crap out of a whole fleet of ships. It's a really cool, little, little cool, like, happy moment. Uh, the only other thing that I think was really cool was also when the Romulans kind of joined up. Because the only thing that, like, Cisco says is about damn time. <laughs> I think my, my favorite thing in Deep Space Nine uh, during that whole Dominion War thing is where they have to evacuate the station, but Cisco leaves his baseball behind. Like, I always thought that was, like, badass. Yeah, and they're good, like, they're good. like, they're like, oh, you know, you know, Golducott finally comes up and he's like, ah, we've taken back Terok Nor, you know, and they're all, like, feeling good about themselves. And they're like, well, Commander, what, what's that? Like, what's that Earth baseball thing? And he's like, this, this is a message. Cisco's telling me he'll be back. You know, and then it cuts yeah. like Cisco all pissed off and like I'm gonna fucking kick your ass. You know, so, <laughs> you know and I was like, that's cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's like that's why I grew to really enjoy the series. It had a lot of character moments like that. Like, like again, we were talking about something else later on, but like Goldicott is not a one-dimensional villain. He's just not like, rawr, I'm evil. I have a spoon on my head. I'll kill you. He actually progresses and. You actually kind of feel sorry for him at some points because he does lose his fucking mind at some points. And you're like... And, and his daughter. And his daughter. And you just feel kind of bad for him. And he's not so much... I mean, he is. he does have evil qualities. Don't get me wrong. He's not a friendly, happy guy. But at the same time, it was one of the few times in any Star Trek show where they portrayed a villain who kind of had a method to his madness. You actually kind of understood, you know, first of all, why he was how he was, and also how the Cardassians operated. It's like, they're not just dicks. This is their culture. This is how they operate. You know, it, it was just very deep into, like, political, sociological structure. I mean, I could go on about it forever, but that's why it's a good spinoff, because you could talk about it forever. One of the things I remember is, I remember... You know, before it aired, like it was a big deal for me and all my, you know, Star Trek friends at school. We were like really excited, and you know, it finally came time for the two-hour premiere. And you know, the next day at school, we were we were all anxious to talk about it, but none of us really liked it except for that opening sequence at Wolf Three Five Nine. Like that's the only thing we talked about. We were just like, whoa, wasn't that a cool space battle? And, you know, the, the board <laughs> blew up the Saratoga and, you know, all these other ships. We were like, yeah, that was great. And then we were like, well, what did you think of the rest of the show? And we were just like, eh, I don't know, like orbs and dead people talking in, you know, <laughs> dreams and stuff. Like it, it was kind of over like our, you know, primary school, junior high minds pretty much. Well, I mean, even if you take out the metaphysical, it did start slow. I mean, there was not a lot going on. But as it grew and got further along in the series, oh, it was such a great show. I was just going to say, like, none of us really talked about it again until uh, the Dominion showed up. Like, like that was such a great episode. I think it was the season finale of episode, or season three, maybe, where the Dominion first show up. And, like, they pretty much take out a Galaxy-class starship, which is what, which is what the Enterprise-D is. 
And like I remember reading somewhere like the producers intentionally did that. They were just like, you know, trying to show the audience like even if the Enterprise D was there, like it would have got destroyed anyway. Like I always thought that was really neat because you're just like yeah. – you know, you've seen the Enterprise like fake blow up and you saw the Yamato explode, but you never really seen like a galaxy-class starship taken out like that. And it was just like, wow, these guys are serious. You know, They just blew up a galaxy-class starship. Things are going to get interesting. Yeah, they made, they made them the real deal. It wasn't just like, you know, oh, here's some new bad guys. They're like, oh, shit, these are bad guys. <laughs> so, yeah, I, yeah, I agree totally. It's like you actually got probably, – probably the be- best thing I say about DS9 is you got a, a sense of dread for the heroes. You're like, they might not get out of this shit, you know, because there were people who died. There were, like, main cast members who died. So, yeah, yeah, like I remember watching that the last you know series finale episode and people started dying. And I, I always loved Garrick. Like I thought he was a great character. And had a lot yeah. of depth to him. And when people started dying, I was like, man, if Derek gets if Garrick gets killed, if he goes out like a punk, I'm gonna be so mad. I'm just gonna turn it off right here. But thankfully, Garrick survived. Oh yeah. Well, another thing I think is tantamount to my enjoyment of, of Deep Space Nine is. You know how, I guess, on the the Star Trek podcast, I mentioned how I would watch a new show and be like, what, Klingons on the Enterprise? <laughs> Alderdash. You know, and, and in some in some ways, it that kind of carried over to Deep Space Nine, where I'm like, what, now they're hanging out with Ferengi now? Jeez. <laughs> you know, I'm like, what's next? They're going to, you know, hang out with the Borg? You know, like, you know, like <laughs> little did I know, you know, but, um, but, um, Anyway, I, you know what what is a, a great testament to the to the show. I think is is how uh, Armin Shimmerman, you know, uh, portrayed Quark and and basically how they sort of wrote the whole characters. You know, he, you know he was kind of a you know swarmy, nasty, you know, Ferengi business guy. But by the end of it, I mean you really, really, you know, loved those guys. You know, like uh, you know, and they had a rich developed arc to them and everything to where, you know, by the end of it, you love Nog and Quark and Rom and their whole family and everything. So, yeah, it was, it was, I mean, probably the best thing you say about the whole series is good writing. It had really good writing. Yeah. They knew how to write it. The only other um, thing I want to add is, and people can send angry emails, but I much prefer Esri Dex over Jedzia. She was cuter. I don't know if she was more beautiful, but she was cuter. <laughs> it was a short thing, I guess. But yeah, again, I I feel bad for bringing up D Space Nine because I know we all love it and we could go on about it forever. But uh, Mike, we got to get to you, man. What's your uh, favorite, least favorite uh, spinoff? Well, you guys have been talking Star Trek. I've just been waiting to toss my pokeball into the tall grass to catch a wild ninja, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta catch them all. Oh, <laughs> Pikachu! Wow, Buffett. I think I just saw a, sp- a sighting. <laughs> well, anyway, I- I'm sure that'll keep. The, wor- the worst spinoff I picked, I guess, well, I guess it's not so much worse as disappointing. I picked The Lone Gunman, which was a spinoff from The X-Files, which oh, is yeah. like, you know, yeah, they're... The, you know, the Mulder and Scully would occasionally turn to this trio of like computer geeks and stuff, and uh, they Fox decided to give them a spinoff, and I, I think it only lasted like a season, not even maybe. 
like maybe like a half a season, but I just remember watching the first couple episodes and being like, I don't think I'm going to enjoy this. And then, you know, I just <laughs> lost track of it. And yeah, I'm looking it up right now. It only lasted 13 episodes. Yeah. So that, yeah. So that, that kind of disappointed me. However, for best spinoff, I'm going to have to go with Angel which is a spinoff of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and it's notable that I like Angel better than Buffy as a series as a whole. So I'm sure at some point during the history of this podcast we'll get into, like, talking uh, Buffy-verse stuff. So I don't want to, like, blow the load here, but, you know, I just think I I love the first two seasons of Angel, the third season got a little dark for me, yeah. and I like. I know Justin, you like <clears throat> cable. <laughs> yeah, it's complicated. Now, I was gonna say, Justin, I know you like like season six of Buffy because like it went to a dark place and stuff. Uh, I don't always like that, and I thought that was like Angels' like equivalent was season three, hmm. and then like at season four, yeah, went into the cable convoluted stuff x-men stuff and but although season four kind of like padded it out with a lot of fan wank like you know angelus returning and all that and faith coming back and that 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 stuff was enjoyable but unfortunately it was like you know interdispersed with like you know all that confusing connor is a mystical baby who to become a conduit to the higher powers to birth Gina Torres into the world and you know <laughs> well in in um in in Buffy season 6's defense um I I'll just go out on a limb and say well at least I don't know with with Angel's dark moments they, there there were things that were kind of creepy about them as well like I mean you know Buffy season 6 for the most part uh was was you know just young adults getting into their 20s and having to deal with a lot of things that you know you you are sheltered from the majority of your life and and it becomes a tough time to sort of you know find out who you are and make your way in the world and stuff like that but i think some of the stuff in angel you know is kind of like oh your dad's girlfriend and now you're going to go out with your dad's girlfriend <laughs> but and then you're going to have a baby with your dad's you know and you're just kind of like whoa whoa huh what you know and 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 for me i'm like i i love uh I, I like Angel season five. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, uh, like, of, of, of all I, th- the I think it seems kind of rare that a show, like, in its final season, like, gives the best its best season. But I think Angel definitely qualifies for that. Like, some shows just kind of peter out in their last season. But I thought Angel was like, uh, like, I was so sad to see that show go after that season. Yeah, cause I was yeah. like, holy crap! Like, I mean, what, what are they? Gonna, where are they gonna go from here and stuff? And you know the the comics continue it, but it's not quite the same. But yeah, the C- yeah. Angel season five completely rules. Yeah, like it's strong from start to finish. I think I think one of the things I really liked about it was normally when they kind of do a transplant. Okay, maybe spoilers for people who haven't seen Buffy, but when they brought Spike over to Angel, most people normally would have been like, "Oh, really? We got to like have this guy from this show to like ooh save this show." But the thing is, is like Angel actually had a more prolonged relationship with Spike. He knew him longer than Buffy did. Yeah. So when he when he came aboard, yeah, it wasn't you know it wasn't forced. It was like, 
oh, these two motherfuckers still hate each other, and they're still going to go at it, you know? It was like... <laughs> well, it was funny. I always thought that, like, James Marsders and David Boreanaz had better chemistry with each other than, like, David Boreanaz and Sarah Michelle Gellar did. <laughs> so, so I just thought that was funny. Like, you know, it's just, it's Spike and Angel, like, their antagonistic relationship all through Season 5, I thought that, like, that was all, that made, like, a large part of why Season 5 was so awesome. Because they were constantly, you know, tearing each other down. And there were, like, still those moments where they were like, yeah, you know what, we're kind of buddies, but we'll never, ever admit it. It was kind of like a Goku and Vegeta thing, almost. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to say the same thing, probably. The one where, uh... Spike beats Angel, and he's like, you know, yeah, he's like, yeah. he, he takes the cup, and he's like, he drinks it, and he's like, Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> it's Mountain Dew, yeah. Like, that still cracks me up. Like, I love that episode. But, <laughs> that is a great episode. I was just going to say, like, I love Olive Angel, except for that whole evil Cordelia and baby Jasmine stuff. Like, yeah. I don't even like to rewatch those episodes. Like, this series had been so great up to that point, and I was just like, oh, oh. What are they doing? This is kind of crappy. And I just kept waiting for it to end, and finally it did end. But well, well, not as bad. Connor almost hit Wesley levels for me as far yeah. as like comparisons. Yeah, well, at least like Connor redeemed himself for me in like the last season. With like he only had a couple appearances, but he was cool like in those appearances. So. <laughs> Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, thanks, Dad, for giving me a great life. That's all I needed. Now I'm awesome, and I'll help you. And stuff. <laughs> so, so. Well, I like Wesley. He could actually, you know, fight and hold his own. So I give him that at least, you know. Connor, Connor slash Cable, like he he never bothered me. Like he was kind of annoying, but he, he as a character, like I, he didn't bother me really. And I I always liked Wesley. Yeah, Wesley, I was going to say, speaking of Wesleys, and speaking of a cool Wesley for a change, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, Wesley, yeah, Wesley from Angel is totally cool, don't get me wrong. Yeah, I was going to say, he's probably my favorite Buffy-verse character, and, like, I, I even liked him when he was just a big goof, like, on Buffy, and he was, like, just, <laughs> like, he, like he, he's a master of, like, physical comedy, like, you know, just running and tripping and falling and stuff. I always used to laugh, I was like, hey, that's what I'd be like if I were in that situation. <laughs> But then, like, he becomes a badass, you know, towards the end of Angel and stuff. And he gets, like, so many cool scenes when, like, especially, like, uh, in, like, uh, with his relationship with Fred and stuff. Like, he gets, like, really, like, like, creepy and awesome scenes, like, in regards to her. Like, you know, when, like, his father or, well, it turned out to be a robot of his father, you know, is holding Fred hostage and he just guns him down, like, without hesitating. Yeah. And stuff like that. Or, like, there's a scene, like, when Fred's, like, dying, that episode, and, like, uh, he's, like, trying to work on a cure for her, and, like, a lawyer comes into his office, and he's like, yo, we can't all, like, be working, like, this case. Someone's got to, like, keep business going. And Wesley's like, oh, yeah, you're right. And he takes a pistol out from under his desk and shoots the guy in the leg. And then he goes he goes to his secretary, send anyone else that's not working Fred's case to me. Nice, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I they, like when he does the, the John Woo thing on the, the double horn-headed guy, and they're doing that one big action sequence. I always thought that was a cool yeah. bit where they're all trying to take out the one. You know, I, I always thought he was – I guess that's another thing that was kind of disappointing about birthing um, What's-Her-Face because, like, I was like, oh, now she's the big bad. And I kind of was looking forward to, uh, you know, big gray horny monster guy yeah, being the big bad, like and a- then he just – he just kind of, it seemed like he was like a doomsday type guy that just kind of got 
you know, shoehorned away sort of, <laughs> yeah, or that... like, you know, oh, here's, here's Poison Ivy instead. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I wanted, I wanted Doomsday. Yeah, well, I mean, it was kind of a waste. Unless, unless I'm mistaken, I haven't read the comics that came afterwards, but they did bring Wesley back, right? Yeah, in the comics, like, well, the comics, like, pretty much take place, uh, like, at after that end battle, like, all of L.A. got sucked into hell, so uh, Angel's got to, like, sort of keep everyone together in hell, and, like, the Wolfram and Hart gives him Wesley back as, like, a ghost, like, uh, liaison, sort of, so Wesley's, like, following him around as a ghost, like Spike was, kind of, so that was pretty cool. But, you know, I, I think my favorite thing from the comics, I did read this, is like at the end of Angel, there's a big ass fucking dragon like roaring into the scene. And he's like, I got the dragon. And everybody's like, oh, my God, Angel's going to get his ass kicked by the dragon. And then in the comic, they're like, no, actually, he's my friend. He helped out <laughs> or she is my friend or whatever. Yeah, he got the dragon on his side. Yeah, when, they named it. They named it Cordelia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was great, too. Yeah. Uh, one of the things like they dropped from the series, I was always sad to see go was the character of uh, what was her name, Detective Lockley. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Her. Like I always thought that was really interesting. You know, like she started out like not really liking Angel at all, and then she kind of like got to where she liked him because he saved her life. You know, like she was gonna kill herself or whatever, and he saved her life. She was starting to come around, and then she kind of just goes away. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the thing about it is, is like they they originally started the show as being a very detective kind of oriented show because he really was kind of a supernatural detective. But then as they got more supernatural and stuff, they're like, I mean, I don't know what they were thinking. Don't get me wrong. I'm, you know, not a writer on the show, but I think they kind of thought like she's going to get killed probably because she's a human. You know, it's like, yeah. Well, yeah. like, what I expected to happen was, you know, they kind of went through this thing where it's like, you know, Angel can have sex, but it's just, you know, he's not going to always find his perfect moment, you know, with, with whoever it's going to be. So I figured yeah. they were just going to build her up as a, uh, you know, girlfriend for Angel, and then, you know, she'd eventually get killed, and maybe that would do, a, you know, make him become Angelus or Angelus again or something, but, you know. Yeah. yeah, you're like you're like you not to get crude, but you wonder why Angel just doesn't, you know, whip out a picture of Megan Fox and turn evil, you know, <laughs> when he goes to the when he goes to the bathroom, you know. <laughs> if that was the guy. Right, fix this. I think that was like the funny thing about the werewolf thing. When he like hooked up with the werewolf chick, he was like, Oh, she is so hot and then like in uh what happy smile time or whatever, smile time. He's like goes down there as a puppet. And he's like, I don't think it'll work out. And like the werewolf mauls him and shit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and he's like walking through the hallways with all stuffing falling out of him. And he's yeah. like, Lorne, help me. <laughs> it was. Like, I mean, that's a, that's a great thing. They did these arcs really, you know, well done. I don't know about the detective girl. I agree with you, Justin. They did kind of shunt her aside with no. I guess you would say circle to her uh, storyline, but like most of the arcs were really well done. That's what I liked about them. Yeah, and this, the series is so full of so many like hilarious random moments. Like you know, from season one, what always cracks me up is like you know Angel dancing at that party. Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. I, I always I remember like I was hanging out with a girl at the time, and she's like, "Why don't you dance?" And I showed her that scene. <laughs> <laughs> this is why. <laughs> 
The, the that, great thing about that episode is, like, the end credits are just clips of him and Wesley, like, dancing at the party, like, all goofy yeah. and stuff. <laughs> and that, uh, just for a random thing, I also remember the uh, big Wolferman heart party where he hooks up with, uh, what's her name? Oh, Eve. Yeah. Eve, yeah, because he gets, like, there's, like, some kind of pheromone drug thing or whatever where he can't control himself and shit. But she's evil, so I guess it's okay. <laughs> like, I can fuck evil bitches all I want. <laughs> no, because uh, it was because uh, uh, Lorne, like, his powers were out of control, so uh, anything he said, like, people were doing. So he, yeah. he told, I remember he, t- he tells Wesley and Fred to get drunk, and, like, they're, they're drunk, and, like, what, and Fred's like, how many beers did you have? And Wesley's, like, looking at his glass, and he's, like, counting this beer, half of this beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, you're making me miss Angel now. That, that actually should fall into the uh, earlier topic a couple of, like, God, months now, where... TV shows that got canceled before their time. Uh, Angel had so much more to offer. Man. Hey, Uncle Scar, guess what? I despise guessing games. I'm going to be king of Pride Rock. Oh, goody. We're going to... I guess we should kind of go off this now, though, just to kind of move on. Because we could talk about great spinoffs all night. And pretty much dog bad spinoffs for the rest of our lives. But we're going to go into something you may not expect from your fan holes regulars. We're going to talk about Disney. Disney, the bastion of somewhat goodness, maybe, sometimes. When <laughs> you dream upon a star. <laughs> Under the sea. Mike, they're rallying against you. <laughs> but, you know, the fact is, though, Disney has been doing animation for a long time. And you know what? When a company does a good movie, you're going to enjoy it. So we're just going to flat out be men and say the Disney movies we enjoy. I'm just going to throw it out randomly. Let's go to Derek. I haven't heard you for a minute. So what's your favorite Disney movie? And just let let the love show, sir. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna list uh, one or two. I'll do a I'll do a mic. I'll pull a mic and uh, put an honorable mention for Hercules. I say Hercules because, you know, me, it's kind of like superhero-ish. Like, I've always looked at, especially when I play Kingdom Hearts, you know, Hercules is kind of like the Superman of that, you know, game universe or whatever, you know. So it's like, it's always kind of nice where even though there are all these badass Final Fantasy characters where they're like, I'm Mega Deathhead, you know, <laughs> Kurosaki, woo, whatever their name is, you know. And it's like, oh, no, it's the evil, you know, Sir You know, like, it's like Hercules is still there, like, throwing barrels at him, going like, hey, I'm Hercules. I can punch you and you'll fall over. You know, so I've always kind of dug Hercules like that. I remember I kind of went on a big quest to uh, find episodes of the TV series because I hadn't had a chance to see that Hero to Zero TV show that much. And it's not as good as the movie, but, you know, it, it was interesting to watch and stuff like that. But I, I, I do enjoy that movie. I mean, you know, I, I know most people like Disney films because of the music and stuff. And I, I, I don't know that the music is, like, the greatest in the world or whatever. But, you know, I always thought that Hades was pretty cool. James Woods, you know, and stuff like that. I thought that was pretty cool. You and then, have James Woods. <laughs> Yeah, and, and so, um, 
and then for my my main attraction or whatever, I think I think my favorite movie when I think about it, like in terms of fond memories and stuff that I really really like, is Robin Hood. I really really like that uh, version, the Disney version of Robin Hood. You know where he's a oh, fox yeah. and everything, and he's I don't know. I just I, I you know I like the whole Every Town song and Nottingham and all that kind of stuff. I, I, you know, I was so. about to say it has like probably the catchiest beginning of any movie, like. Yeah, yeah. So I definitely, I, I, I think when I, I it's kind of funny because I think that's probably like the first version of Robin Hood I ever saw. So when I started seeing like you know quote unquote real versions of Robin Hood with like you know British guys and green tights, I was kind of like, wait, where's where's the foxes? Like, how come Little John's not a bear? Like, what's <laughs> going on? You know. So. You know, it's really weird though about Robin Hood, even though there was a few comedic points in it. It actually was played relatively straight. It was like, you know, oddly as it is to say about a fox playing Robin Hood and, you know, little John being a bear, it was really pretty accurate to the, you know, original myth, you know? Yeah. You know, that, and I agree with you. That was, that was actually a really good movie. Also, I mean, it could be just me because it's an older film, but when I saw it, it looked kind of washed out a little bit. And that kind of added to it to, for me. It like made it kind of seem more like an old, you know, I don't know. That, that might have been just me. It might have been the old copy, but it just kind of added to the atmosphere of how the uh, film was portrayed. So, but no, yes, Robin Hood is very cool. Uh, Hercules is also a really good movie too. How about you, Mike? What's your uh, favorite Disney esque film? Well, not Disney esque, but Disney. I went with The Lion King. Uh... I don't. I don't know why. Actually, it's just the one that stands out mostly in my mind. You know, I I liked it. Uh, it was a very touching story of uh, so whatever it was uh, <laughs> of of lions. <laughs> yeah, of lions doing stuff. I think there was a there was a there was a monkey in it and uh, a warthog and a, a whatever the hell the other one was, and they sung a song that was funny. I don't know. Hakuna Matata. Yes, what a Hakuna wonderful Mata. phrase. It yes. was Hakuna Kamehameha. <laughs> yeah, something like that. But uh, I don't know. That's that's the one that usually like stands out for me, uh, even though I can't really remember much of it right now. Uh, so so were, you weren't like in the angry legions of anime fans that were like, this is a ripoff of Kimba the White <laughs> Lion. No. no. No, I was not. I, I do like in, on The Simpsons, though, when they, they made fun of that, when they had, like, uh, Simba's father appear in the cloud to Lisa, and he was like, you must avenge my death, Gimba. I mean, Simba. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could be I could be wrong. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check on this real quick, but I think it is actually, no, okay, at the time it was, but this is before Pixar came along. As it stands right now, uh, Lion King was the highest-grossing animated film of all time before Finding Nemo. Hmm. That's cool. Yep. Yeah, a lot of people really dug Lion King, so you're you're not in the uh, minority there, sir. So, like, I remember being forced to watch Lion King a lot in junior high, so I kind of grew to dislike it just for that reason. Like, I saw it so many times, <laughs> like against my will. I was just like, ah, enough with the Lion King. <laughs> just as like Hakuna, but fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a lot of friends that seemed to like that movie a lot too. I I didn't mind. I, I, for some reason, I liked watching the depressing Batman twenty minutes part of it. You know, where it's <laughs> like, oh, 
the king dies, you know, and I'm like, oh, that's pretty awesome the way Scar, like, takes him out and everything, and I'm like, that's that's all sad and everything, and I'm like, and then after that, I'm kind of like, wait, what? I It's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, watching Transformers in the movie, and then, you know, after Prime and Megatron fight, and then you're kind of like, oh, you've climaxed almost before the movie ends, <laughs> and you're like, wait, wait, there's more movie? Like, what? I gotta watch Hakuna Matata? You know, I gotta watch Dare to be Stupid? What? Like, you know, like that, that kind of thing? You know, like, so, yeah. What the fuck? I gotta snuggle? But Derek, but Derek, you love Hot Rod. I do, I do love Hot Rod. I, I, I that doesn't mean I don't like um, Zimba or anything like that. Like I appreciate his his return to prominence. It's his little like tryst as a weird eccentric jungle fairy kid, like in the <laughs> middle of the 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 desert with uh, you know or jungle with with these two other you know musical uh, uh, warthog and and what was the other one? The weasel or whatever. He's a, he's a meerkat. That's, yeah. yeah, whatever, whatever he is, <laughs> like he's off gallivanting with those guys, being a irresponsible, you know, idiot. And that, but that part of the movie to me is always like, wait, Peter Parker said, you know, like <laughs> hold on, like you know, but yeah. And Derek, Derek just zones out and thinks about like Cup bending Blitzwings's cannon to like shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> just gonna go there, kill some of the Setnicons. Give me a break. Uh, what about you, Justin? What's your uh, favorite Disney movie. I'm also going to pull a mic and give you some honorable mentions. Like, uh, I always really thought that uh, Treasure Planet was very underrated. Like, uh, I guess because I've always enjoyed the uh, original story, Treasure Island. Like, I always liked that as a little kid growing up. I also thought Atlantis, The Lost Empire, was really good. Like, I know it's kind of like falls into that Lion King territory where it's kind of ripped off of an anime uh, I think it was called Blue Nadia or something. I've never seen the original anime, but like I, I still think Atlantis Lost Empire is a really good Disney movie. Ultimately, though, I went with uh, Aladdin. Like I've always enjoyed the, I don't know what you'd say, like the legends and myths that are like associated with you know, like Sinbad the Sailor or you know, the Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, like that type of stuff. Like it's like as a kid, I always thought it was so different from. Greek mythology or Egyptian mythology, like it was so interesting because you always had, you know, different types of monsters and you had flying carpets and, you know, stuff like that. So I always really liked Aladdin. And to me, you just can't top Robin Williams as the genie. I agree. And, and, and you know what? I hate to say this, but whoop, 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 secret brother alert. I, <laughs> I had to pick Aladdin too. Pretty much, like, I think the thing about Aladdin though, not to get too deep into it and, like, you know, try to find subtext. But it was pretty much the first Disney movie where they kind of went with modern humor. They actually were just not like, you know, like, ha, 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 you slipped on a banana peel, wah, wah, wah. They had Robin Williams, and they used him to, like, great effect. You know, they are like, hey, go crazy, guy. You know, make your jokes, you know, include, like, pop culture references and all that. And again, like, you know, Aladdin was a good – there is also somebody who said this. I read this online where Aladdin was actually the first Disney prince, quote-unquote, who wasn't just like, you know, I'm brave and noble. I'll save you. I'm bland as toast. He actually had a character. You know, Aladdin was the star of the movie. It wasn't Jasmine, which was pretty cool. You know, it was, like, very refreshing. And, of course, who could forget, you know, Jafar – who could forget, you know, Iago, uh, friggin' like, 
I hate to say this. I'm not a huge Gilbert Gottfried fan. I think he's funny in a lot of things, but like as far as Iago, he was fucking brilliant. That was just a perfect character for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was just like, yeah. Like was, the only time I can stand him is as Iago and as Mixix Plicklick in the Superman animated series. My dark. <laughs> My dark. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll just I'll, I'll just offer just a brief counterpoint, not to not to poo-poo over anybody's favorite movie or anything, but I, I I just listening to what Tony was talking about about the pop culture references and the that the sort of modern aspect of the humor. Like I always found that strange about Aladdin, and I know a lot of people are like, "What? You don't like Aladdin? Like, what's wrong with you?" And and I I just figure I should just voice that part of it, which was, I always, I always found that kind of strange because I always thought of Aladdin as, you know, kind of like some of the other, even though they're fantasy, you know, tales, they're, they seem to be set in a certain period and it, it, it just seems kind of out of place. It's like they gave Robin Williams, you know, a big bag of Coke and just told him to go <laughs> crazy and say whatever he wanted. And then they kind of animated it to yeah. this, you know, genie. And, and, you know, people, you know, if you enjoy it, it's like, that's great, more power to you. But I, I, that, that's, that's always been my kind of take on it, you know, at least Aladdin anyway. I think that's how I came up with the character of Mork, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I agree with you that, like, you know, they did kind of throw the pop culture in there, but it actually did kind of inspire things like Hercules where they had a gospel choir singing instead of, like, you know, oh, oh Hercules, you know? Right, right. So, I mean, you know, it, it's a give-and-take thing. I understand that. And especially when you have Robin Williams, it's a double-edged sword because I could see the directors being like, okay, cut loose and be funny. And they're like, okay, don't cut loose that much. You know, quit snorting. But, I mean, all in all, I really like Aladdin. I think, I think probably the best thing I can say about it is, as far as all the Disney, like, TV shows that came from the movies, I actually like the Aladdin TV show the most. Did you guys ever catch any of those episodes? Yeah, I saw a few. Like, I wanted to mention this earlier when Derek was talking about it, but did any of you guys see the Hercules uh, Aladdin team up episodes? No, I no. did not, no. Like, those were actually pretty well done. Like, if I remember it well, like, they bring back Jafar, like, he teams up with uh, Hades. Okay. So it's like, you know, like, Aladdin and Hercules, you know, they're like, oh, who are you? Let's fight. Oh, we're both good guys. Let's team up. <laughs> I just remember I just remember a friend of mine in grade school we went to her birthday party and I remember that was when I think Return of Jafar was like a direct to video thing and I think that was something that somebody had gotten her for her birthday so that I just remember watching that you know kind of going oh great now I have to watch another Aladdin movie you know but it was like you know it was like a birthday party or whatever so it was fine but well if it yeah. if, if it helps uh Aladdin I think had two DTV movies like one and like two and three and yeah they weren't that great I think uh it was either the second or third one they actually got Robin Williams to come back because in he the back, TV he came back for the third one okay yeah because in the TV show it was uh Dan Castellanella that won it Yep. Yeah, it was Homer Simpson, guys. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> However, even though I was, like, you know, counterpointing Derek, I will agree. Hercules is also a really good movie. However, I am going to go a little bit animation nerd on you guys for a second. The story was good. I also, of course, like James Woods as a character. One of the things I really liked about it, though, was the animation style changed from the natural Disney kind of rounded, more soft characters it was very angular 
all the characters had kind of like the Bruce Tim style, which I don't think they were aping. Uh, I think it was just a good choice because it kind of matched like uh, the Greek like cutouts and like the you know historical documentation of how the empire was at that time. You know the mythological era. And the funny thing is that carried through into like later cartoons like Emperor's New Groove, where they choose more striking designs instead of going very soft with it. I think it lends itself well to animation as far as current viewers and stuff. And that's why I really was a fan of that, because it was like Disney chose to go in a new direction instead of just being like, well, we could just draw this the way we usually do. But they actually chose a new style. And the character designs are very striking, very angular, very, like, almost boxy in a way, or very, like, you know, geometric. I know this is, like I said, a very animation nerd kind of thing, but, you know, I appreciated that. I like the fact that they were willing to take a risk on it and not make it look like every other movie. So it does get an honorable mention. I, I totally will give it props for that. Yeah, uh, Megara certainly didn't look like your typical, you know, Disney princess, but uh, I- yeah, I'm glad yeah, you brought up true. Emperor's New Groove. Like, that's that's another Disney Disney movie that I feel is pretty underrated. Like, I've always enjoyed that movie. You know what? The, the the thing I give about that is it's funny. It's really funny. Yeah. It, David Spade is underrated as a comic. A lot of people think he's an asshole, but he's a really funny guy. He did a really good job on that. I, I thought he was a perfect choice for that. A uh, whiny asshole who hates his life. Yeah, that's David Spade. <laughs> you know. Who would you be without me, Prime? Time to find out. Yeah, but you know, as much as we may have wandered into the uh, love of Disney, we're probably going to kind of go a little bit more dark now. Not someplace cold, but we're probably teetering on the edge. As everyone is well aware, Michael Bay has unleashed or cock-thrusted another Transformers movie into our brains. Whoa! <laughs> Whoa! I, I, you know what? I, I would not be so vulgar, but I really hate Michael Bay, and I feel any time he releases a movie, it's, it's, it's violating to me. Oh. You, you you just went all scary movie too on us. <laughs> I gotta log out. I gotta log out. Don't worry, I'll go back to like dribbling basketballs in a wheelchair here in a minute. No, but Dark of the Moon is a ginormously, to reference an earlier Transformer word, grossing movie that's out still and it's made a lot of money. A lot of people actually have said it's better than the last one, which is pretty much like saying. My last crap was better than the one before it, but still, you know, that's my personal opinion. I'm not going to be very favorable to it, but some of the fan holes did enjoy it. Let's go with someone who probably liked it more than most of us. Justin, what do you think about DOTM? Actually, I would be one of those people who say that it's better than the second one. I would probably say it's better than the first one, actually. Like, I... You know, I went in fully prepared to not like it and to come out and, you know, as a lot of people do, you know, just hop on the internet and start bashing it. But, uh, Rape my childhood. <laughs> no, I don't think I've ever, like, uttered that phrase and actually meant it. But, I know, I know, but yeah, yeah. Uh, like, I, I actually enjoyed it. Like, that first hour of the movie, like, it's 
it's a complete mess. Like there's so much stuff running around. Like Sam's like, you know, running around. He's got problems with his girlfriend. He's got problems with his girlfriend's boss. He can't get a job. He's got problems with his parents. He's, you know, ignored by Bumblebee and everybody else. I'm like, okay, <laughs> he's got problems. Just move on. And they go into this thing like they do something with, uh, you know, Russian cosmonauts or something. Like they get up on all these different tangents and. Uh, all this stuff, I'm just like, just you know, just get to the part where things blow up and there's you know robots flying around. But once they actually get to that part, you know, the, when they get to the battle in uh, Chicago, like that's that's where I started to really enjoy the movie. And I thought uh, I thought Sentinel Prime was a, a pretty good character. And I guess mostly it's just because I really enjoy Leonard Nimoy. You know, he. It was kind of a nice touch that they they got him. You know, he was Galvatron in uh, the uh, animated movie, and I thought he did a pretty good job as Sentinel Prime. I mean, that's cool. I mean, like I said, I will not disparage anybody who does like this movie. Everybody's opinions are you know relevant. However, I will skip over to Derek right now just because he doesn't watch Transformers movies. He's not really a fan of the uh, franchise in general as far as the live action content. So while I want to ask him for a review, what what makes you not want to watch this movie, Derek? Well, by this point, I haven't watched the first two, so I don't. I you know I, I all, all I can say is I don't have any interest in watching a third movie of a franchise I haven't bothered to start watching. I guess in terms of just Dark of the Moon. I mean, in terms of the original, it just seemed like there were a lot of things that. You know, I mean, whatever it was, it was kind of like, you know, the character designs and, you know, ultimately, I think what made up my mind was I think there was some interview from some of the producers and it just came off with the vibe of, oh, well, you know, fuck those guys who whine about the flames and we don't care about them. And I just kind of thought, well, if you don't care about me, then you don't really need my money. And so I just kind of, you know, decided that I didn't feel like watching it. And then the other thing, too, was. You know, I think Justin brought this up when we were discussing certain things, but there are some people that seem to like to watch stuff that they really, they don't like it, you know, and then they, they, you know, they'll go online or they'll talk to their friends about it and they'll bitch about it, you know, and it's kind of like we have certain haters segments, but I don't think I would constantly expose myself to a TV show that really, you know, made me angry or disgruntled <laughs> to that point. And, and I think my, my only sane reaction was just, you know what? I'm going to be adult about this. I just, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't go on to big tirades about, you know, like Justin was saying, I don't use the words, you know, this rape my childhood or whatever kind of stuff lightly or anything. I just, you know, decided, you know what? I'll just not see this. And then since I don't see it, it it's almost like, there's there's nothing to get upset with if if you haven't really invested anything in it you know so that's 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 as simply and logically and calmly and as adultly as I can explain it. Fair enough. I'll go next just because I think Mike did kind of enjoy it, so I want to end this on a good note. When I like you know was very vulgar at the beginning of this, it wasn't really just because of Transformers. Don't get me wrong. I just don't like Michael Bay as a director myself. I think he's kind of a hack. It's not like I get all pissed off because, oh, it's not G1. I want Optimus Prime to have square boobies and be red. It's just I, I, I don't appreciate his style of filmmaking. That's why I haven't gone to see it like you. I don't want to expose myself to something I know I won't like. Just be uh, honest with this, Tony. It's it's because of the lack of Dini Cons, isn't it? 
<laughs> oh yeah, there's no minicon ports. Damn it. <laughs> Dar, where, where's the energon keys and the yeah? No, I mean, I, I I will freely admit, is it the Transformers movie I want? No, it's not. That's why I don't want to go see them. That's why I don't pay money for it because I'm not going to support something that I can't at least meet halfway on. Look at the X Men franchise. Was X-Men 3 not great? Yeah, it wasn't. But you know what? X-Men 1 and 2? Wolverine wasn't in a yellow and blue costume running around, but I was still cool with it. You know, Hugh Jackman did a good job. Was I, you know, not thrilled with, uh, you know, Tony Stark not consistently being drunk? <laughs> you know, not really. It doesn't matter to me. But, I mean... I'm I'm willing to give leeway to certain things. You know, I'm willing to be accepting of, like, how a movie is made. I just don't think Michael Bay appreciates the fans he has. Unlike the, uh, unlike the uh, Star Trek movie we've talked about just recently, where it was still the same writers. It was, uh, what, Bob Orsi and who else? I forgot his, uh, the other guy's name yet. Orsi and something. Yeah. You know, they wrote a Star Trek movie. Was it perfect beyond all, you know, comprehension? No, but it was a really good fucking movie. I loved it. You know, I was like, yeah, I'm down for this. I saw it. I came out of watching it with, hey, that's a good movie. You could also tell just comparing those two movies that, you know, they genuinely seem to love and care about Star Trek. Exactly, uh, I, yeah. I don't. They must not have felt the same way about Transformers, or maybe you know, they got some notes from the studio or Michael Bay or something, saying you know what we don't really care about minicons or you know cosmic rust or the Matrix or any of this other stuff, you know. But um. yeah, and and don't get me wrong, like you know, Derek took the high road when the first two Transformers movie came out. No, I was that jackass who was like, I'm not going to be mature. Fuck you, fuck you in the ass, Michael Bay. <laughs> Take it, <laughs> you know. I mean, no, I'm not proud of it, but I was, I was, I, my, my childhood was not raped, don't get me wrong. I was not, like, you know, personally offended. But as far as, like, my movie-going senses, I was like, this is just bad. It's just not a good movie, and I don't want to watch it, you know? And that's why I have not watched any of the movies in the theaters. I watched various copies that I didn't have to pay for, and that's probably how Dark of the Moon is going to be. I read it up on Wiki. I know the plot of the movie. It sounds not horrible, but at the same time, I, 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 I mean, really, I go kind of back to what Derek said a minute ago. I just don't have any interest in it. It's like when I hear about it, if you if you gave me the plot of all three Transformers movies by Michael Bay and gave me the plot of Transformers, the animated movie, and I had never seen any four of those, I'd be like, dude, I totally want to see Hot Rod be a dick and get, like, not shot and fuck up the whole, like, you know, Autobot hierarchy instead of Sam running around and his dogs humping things. You know, it's just it's just your own sensibilities. I don't always take the high road. I took a high road on Dark of the Moon. I just said, I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to bash it. It may be a good movie. I have not seen it. I read the, like, submarine. It may be okay, but at this point, my apathy has grown so big, I just, I don't care anymore. I'm just like, you know, reboot it. Fuck it. I don't care. Let's see something new. Well, there's just two things I'll add to that. Like, I don't like any, any, any of the Bayformers designs at all. Like, I think they're pretty much, you know, terrible. Would be generous to them, and I don't have any. I don't have any of those toys either. But like, 
I'm actually going to buy a Sentinel Prime toy. And, you know, you brought up uh, X-Men 3. Like, I would happily... I would happily watch uh, Dark of the Moon over X-Men 3 or wow. you know, or Wolverine Origin. Like, I think it's well, I, I, ten times I, more enjoyable than those two movies. Well, I, I'd watch somebody run over a possum three times before I watched Wolverine X-Men Origins. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it, would you classify me as a hater? Sadly, am I proud of it? No, but, yeah, I'm probably a hater of the Michael Bay movies, and that's just how it is. I would like to be a little bit more mature, but it is a franchise I do enjoy. Again, like I said a minute ago, was my childhood rape? No, just not a fan. That's all I can say. Well, I think Derek does make a valid point where it's like, you know, you read stuff and they're just like, oh, you don't really, you know, care about fan input, and so I'm not going to care to give you my money. Like, you know, going back to Star Trek, you want to watch things that people actually care about, and they care about the way they make them you know, direct them, write them. You don't just want to see, you know, char- characters you care about, like, become crazy, murdering, face-raping, you know, crazy. <laughs> I want your face. <laughs> yeah. Mike, uh, actually, I want to hear Mike's opinion greatly because Mike is one of our comic guys, and he's read a lot of the IDW movie uh, crossovers, so he might actually have a different opinion of the uh, movie. What do you, What do you think, Mike? You know, I I enjoyed it, but my 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 line of thinking is always like I, I know I said it in the other podcast, but you know, Transformers gets a new continuity every single year, basically. So it's like I can't be like so like uh, annoyed like that char- like certain characters with certain names are acting in certain ways because I'm just like. Okay, this is just how Movie Optimus Prime acts. Okay, it's not G1 Optimus Prime. If Movie Optimus Prime wants to shoot Spock in the face, he can do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, like stuff like that doesn't bother me. And also, like I've I've seen like you know Transformers is probably my biggest geek thing. I mean, I've seen like the absolute worst this franchise has to offer, and I don't think the Bayformers are it. So, I mean, I think they're down there, but you know, I would, I'd rather it would, watch... It would be the worst. I'd have to think about that, but, you know, I'd rather... Is it, is it, is it Carnival? Carnival is definitely lower than Bayformers, yes. I, I was about to say, if you guys have seen Transmorphers, it is pretty fucking bad. <laughs> Tony Transmorphers is epically awesome in terms of, of how badly acted and then the poor, poor location choices. And and then the, the CGI is just like frosting. It's just the badness, like bad, bad frosting. It's like shit-covered frosting. But, yeah, it's I give Michael Bay at least credit for at least making the crappy shit look pretty. I'll give him that. At least, at least he made the movie like you know. Oh, but you know, but you know, Transmorphers Two does have Bruce Boxleitner in it, and he's he's pretty awesome. It's kind of awesome to see somebody who's who's a skilled actor act with all these other kind of like you know, unexperienced kind of B movie actors who can't really hold the camera. You know, <laughs> I I actually, I actually heard there's like one scene, and I don't know if it was supposed to be like an outtake. But you can actually see like the pain in Bruce Boxleitner's face when having to be around these fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably true. 
He just like, he's just like, uh-huh. he's just like, oh man, I gotta take this for the paycheck. <laughs> yeah, just like, oh god, what? He's like, you, you dumb blonde, so and so, are you done talking yet? Can I, can I go back to being the, the so-called sheriff of this crazy town? <laughs> <laughs> He's probably thinking, come on, Straczynski, reel out some more Babylon 5 stuff. <laughs> come on, help a man out. I need, I, need, I need to fight some Shadow Wars here. <laughs> we actually cut you all mic, though, but, but actually, did you like it or not, though? Yeah, you know, I think it was a slightly more well-constructed remake of Movie 2, basically. Like, I think Movie 2 was – this Movie 3 was kind of the Movie 2 they should have done. And that's not to say it was well-constructed. I'm just saying it was more well-constructed than movie two. Like, there are a lot of points. The pacing is really off in a lot of points. Like Justin said, the whole first hour is just, like, really long, and there's a million tangents going everywhere. And one thing I will say, though, people say, oh, the acting is bad. But, you know, Shia LaBeouf may play a selfish little asshole, but I believe he's a selfish little asshole. You know, (laughs) like, I think he, yeah, I think he did a good job at portraying, like, this rather, like, unlikable character that eventually, like, does right by the movie. But, you know, he still is... Is that kind of like how Megan Fox is awesome in Jonah Hex? Yes, yes. <laughs> no, 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 I, no. I about to say, I did, I did no, hear really. car, I did but, hear Carly, the blonde chick, is horrible though. Yeah, she's she's pretty not good, but you know, it's 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 hard. It's hard to like Shia LaBeouf's like, oh, it's you know, it's been like his whole thing is it's been three months since I graduated from college, and I don't have a job. And and I'm living in my gorgeous model's girlfriend's apartment rent free. Oh man! And I, oh, and I saved the world twice, but my parents still think I'm a loser because I don't have a job three months out of college. Oh, woe is me! I'm like, shut the hell up, you know? It's something. <laughs> uh, but yeah, stuff like that annoys me. But that's more that's more like you know the plot. Than and how the writers wanted it than anything else. Well, you know, you know, it's not all frosting and sprinkles after <laughs> you save New York City from the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. <laughs> apparently, apparently not. But uh, to say something positive, though, uh, you know, the Bayformer designs. Yeah, a lot of them are ugly, especially like Wheeljack in this movie. He's, he's <laughs> yeah, he's complete. Or I guess I should say Q, because I guess they. Instead of calling him Wheeljack, they called him Q, which I'm fine with because I don't want Wheeljack's name on that thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought that was kind of weird that um, they named the Ferrari Dino. Yeah. Like, I, I was like, hey now. <laughs> it, it's like you know, like it's like fucking Omega Supreme comes rolling in. Like he doesn't appear in the movie, listeners. If you haven't seen it yet, so don't get your hopes up. It's like Omega Supreme comes rolling in in the giant tank mode. A huge rocket launcher base is behind him. He's like, you know, transform and like comes all together. He's like a ninety foot tall robot, just giant as hell. And they're like, "Aha, Larry's here." <laughs> it is kind of like Sparkle and Billy a little, isn't it? <laughs> but uh, oh, Philip. No, it'd be it'd be more like if they they got a uh, a bike. Never mind. 
<laughs> no, I was just like, it'd be like if they got a, a you know, if they, if they got a BMW and they named it Hans, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's like, come on, dude. Oh, man. This is Hans. He's a member of the Decepticons, you know? And you're like, come on, dude. I, I kept waiting for Spaceship Bruce to show up. Spaceship Bruce. <laughs> Ironhead transforms and kills people. He's like, this is for America. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, but I, I was going to say, like, I, I I don't mind a Bayform, like, a lot of them. Like, I don't mind Prime having a mouth, and I think that's just, like, minor. That's minor shit compared to, like, other problems and stuff. I mean, uh, I don't mind, like... Uh, like I, I think I, I think movie Ironhide and like movie Sideswipe actually look really awesome and like and, and especially like in motion, like that's one thing I'll never begrudge Bay is his action scenes are really good and like the the CGI too in these movies like it it's you, I never like think like I always think like the X Men movies have pretty crappy CGI like I never it kind of takes me out of the scene but never in any all. All three of the Bay movies have have I thought like I haven't believed that those robots are actually there. Like they did a really good job of integrating them into scenes and stuff. So I'll never I'll never say anything bad about that. And you know the fight scenes are really good too. There's just not enough of them. Like you know yeah. you'll get you'll get like 15 minutes of like Shia and. Uh, uh, Tyrese Gibson and like all his soldiers running up a building like 15 minutes and it cuts to like Bumblebee like fighting for like uh, not even a minute then it cuts to another 15 minutes of them running up a building and whatever and it's like I don't know if it's a budget thing or you know they got to keep the focus on the human cast or what but uh yeah but um and I, I mentioned like the pacing issue and, like, this is where I think Bay really sucks as a director, where, like, he just, like, it's got one scene, like, some scenes he takes way too long, and then other scenes, like, oh, oh, oh that's right, I gotta get to the scene, but I, I don't have a transition to get to the scene, so we'll just go to that scene, whatever. Like, like the, at the end of the movie, like, Bumblebee saves Sam and, like, uh, Lennox from Starscream, then they're, they're going with Bumblebee and, like, uh... Lennox is like, oh, Bumblebee's going to scout ahead. He's going to scout ahead, and we're going to go around this way, right? Then it cuts to, like, the the, the, the headquarters of uh, the whatever, the resistance or whatever, and they're like, uh, oh, can we get a, can we get a, like, a security camera working? And they're like, they, oh, we got a security camera working. Oh, no, like, the Decepticons have taken some Autobot prisoners. And who's among the prisoners? Bumblebee! But didn't we just see him, like, two minutes ago driving away? <laughs> And I'm like, oh, so I guess he just turned a corner and got taken prisoner. <laughs> yeah, there's, oh, there's, snap! <laughs> there's not much in the way of logical scene structure in Bay movies for the most part. But all in all, I'll just say, like, like these movies can't possibly hurt me or my perception of Transformers. So <laughs> it's like, you know, I've seen, I've already seen Optimus Prime commit suicide over a video game or, you know, leave Earth... <laughs> Leave Earth forever because the Decepticons gave the humans a badly edited VHS tape, you know? <laughs> so it's like these movies can't really do any damage to me, so I might as well just watch them and take the parts that I like from them and, you know, mock the funny parts like any any other thing I see from Transformers. So, I mean. I just had this, like, middle image of, like, Mike sitting in a theater in, like, a tunic and watching, like, Bayformers and going, there are four lights! <laughs> <laughs>
No, it's like I, I just can't get worked up over it. So I might, you know, it's like almost the opposite of Derek. Like, um, like he said, uh, well, I can't, you know, I, I, I just won't see this. But I say, well, I will see this, but I just won't get excited about it. Like I won't <laughs> get, you know, pissed off about it. So. But whatever, you know. It's like there's like a four year old sitting next to Mike. Is like, dude, Ironhide just like killed so many guys. Mike's like, yep, he sure did. Yep. (laughs) See, at least at least then I'll be like, yeah, that's pretty cool. That's what Ironhide does. He like shoots people through the face and then throws them through buildings without regard to if there are any humans inside. (laughs) But (laughs) he just killed twelve babies. But it's okay, man. I'm all right. No, no, no. Every day is Sunday. <laughs> Every day is all buildings are empty on Sunday. Yep. Yep. But, and it's Sunday somewhere every day. So. <laughs> well, I, I I hate to be that negative on it, but it like I said, it really isn't Transformers. I just don't like Michael Bay. So I mean, I think it's best to leave it there before we do really actually begin trashing it. I, well, I was I was gonna say Tony. I I like to say about these movies. I think I think for Transformers movies they're pretty mediocre, but just as movies they're bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty like much. They, yeah. I'd say they're bad movies, but they're mediocre Transformers movies. <laughs> and, yeah, and, like, you know what? I, I I got two words for you. If we think it can get no worse than Michael Bay, the only thing I can say is Yui Bowl. Yes, I don't. I hopefully it won't ever get there, but we'll see. Yeah, I was just gonna say like I I went and saw it with a buddy of mine and. You know, he's uh, he's not a huge, you know, sci-fi or Transformers nerd or anything. He like he, you know, he grew up with me, so we we played Transformers when we grew up. But you know, he as he got older, you know, he just didn't follow it anymore. But you know, we we went and watched it together. And as we as we were walking out, I I was curious as to what he thought about it. And he was like, yeah, you know, that was that was pretty good. He was like, it had some problems there, you know, at the first hour, you know, like I was saying. But he's like, you know. Overall, he you know he enjoyed it. So to him, that was a good movie. I don't know. He, he probably doesn't know about know enough about Transformers to say it was a good Transformers movie or you know a good representation of the franchise. But you know, like you know, some people just just want to you know turn their mind off and see some robots blow stuff up. So I guess you know in that case, Michael Bay is pretty good. Well, you know, I mean, I guess I guess that's really the final verdict though is. Being huge fans of Transformers, like we all have been at various points. I know Derek's not as into it, but he was a big fan at one point. The the, the problem is, it's like, being such big fans, we're going to nitpick anything, even if it's good. So even if it's not that good, it's just going to get a shitstorm of hate, no matter what, depending on your level of, you know, anger and stuff. So if you're a casual movie viewer, uh, movie viewer and you just want to see robots blow the shit out of stuff, and you just want to leave your brain at the door, I really don't blame anybody for going to go see Transformers. It really, like I said, the CGI, while I don't like the designs, it's really pretty. They are really good at doing what they do. They make shit look like it's blowing up. You like are like, oh, I'm right there. So, I mean, if you want a fast-paced action movie, I can't fault you for wanting to see it. If you're a hardcore G1 slash G2 slash just Transformers fan, You'll probably find something to hate about it, but maybe not. Apparently, it is better than the second one, so there's at least that to go by. Because the second one really did blow chunks. But we, I, I will, I will move on though, because I do not wish my hate to infect all of you with the hate plague. It's a uh, hate plague, Galvatron. 
<laughs> but you... I can follow your gas fumes anywhere. <laughs> they have all gone insane. This is no place for me. <laughs> I was there. I saw it. For the future. <laughs> but uh, to, to possibly maybe comment on future CGI projects. We've got something for the future, yours and mine. There is a big rush for the Green Lantern franchise right now. Ryan Reynolds just released a movie. Well, yeah, by himself. He took it to all the theaters. Um, I know, right? <laughs> uh, well, Warner Brothers released the uh, Green Lantern movie. Right now, Green Lantern is probably one of the more popular properties owned by the DC Comics company. With that being in mind, they're getting ready to amp up and release a Green Lantern animated series in the near future. Not going to come out real soon. It's still a little bit of a ways away, but hey, that's why it's for the future. There's a couple of trailers, a couple of little teasers online. We've looked at them. Going to kind of go into that right now. Again, as I usually do, I go to like two of my big comic fan holes experts. I want to go with you, Derek, this time. You haven't talked for a few minutes. Uh, what do you think about the uh, Green Lantern trailer or footage we've seen? Well, like like any comic thing, I'm, I'm always interested to see how something turns out when it's uh, adapted for television or film. I, I will admit, I, I saw the initial trailer and then I saw some of the stuff that was just released at Comic-Con and then was put online. It's a CGI-based series, and it kind of has a lot of the Bruce Timm designs. It kind of reminds me a lot of Incredibles in a weird way, and I'm not really a big fan of that movie or, you know, kind of the sterile kind of look of some of the CGI and the Clone Wars, the Star Wars TV series, and it it does kind of have that feel to it. So uh, as far as, like, you know, negative impressions... There's, you know, those are some of my first negative impressions of the uh, footage that I've seen so far. But I've also heard some other things about how they plan to include, you know, a lot of the different Green Lantern characters and also, you know, ideas like the Red Lantern Corps and the Sinestro Corps. So even if I'm not uh, warmed up to the initial previews, I, I think there's definitely potential for, you know, at least some episodes where I could probably, just because, you know, maybe I don't like every episode of Superman the Animated Series doesn't mean there's not gem episodes like when, you know, he meets the new gods and different things like that. So, you know, I I, I remain hopeful, but, uh, you know, for right now, uh, it doesn't look like anything I'm super, super excited about. When it comes out, I'll watch it, but um, I'm not, it's nothing I saw and went, awesome, this is going to be the best thing ever. I know, right? <laughs> exactly. Had to. Um, it was mandatory. What about you, Justin? I mean, we all, I think, pretty much watched this in the last hour or so, so. Yeah, I pretty much agree with Derek. Like, I don't, I don't think those Bruce Timm-esque designs look uh, very good when they're rendered in CGI, like like. And like one of us pointed out, like when he's flying around, uh, he looks he looks kind of stiff. And you know that that one clip that we watched, it was pretty much like you know Hal's flying around, and then he goes meets the Guardians, and they just talk. Like I was, you know, like I was this supposed to get me excited for the series because all he did was fly around a little bit, and you know the Guardians were talking to him. Like I was just kind of like tuning out of if it. You're- 
You're like, if you're going to write like Brian Michael Bendis, there better be some anal penetration in the next few minutes, Hal Jordan. <laughs> Bend over, Gambit. <laughs> but, uh, like, I, I was watching uh, Thundercats today on Cartoon Network, and they were showing, you know, various uh, previews for stuff. Like, they showed a preview of the new Thundercats series, but they also showed uh, a clip from the, the series that I didn't see online. and It was uh, Hal fighting off uh, two Red Lanterns. And like it, it, it was better than that one clip that we saw, like I just talked about. But still, like it, it didn't seem all that interesting, even when they were fighting. So that's probably not a good sign. But I mean, I'm, I'm going to be like Derek. I'm going to be hopeful, and you know, heck, maybe you know, Dexter will show up, and I'll be like, ooh, Dexter. <laughs> if, if that happens, Derek will be totally on board. Like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about you, Mike? I mean. Not not too positive right now, but no hate going for it. Just kind of cautious optimism, I would say. Yeah, the the feeling of meh uh, just kind of <laughs> pervades my thoughts on this matter. Um, you know, but then again, like Green Lantern in general has always been meh to me. You know, I've never really seen anything that's gotten me super excited over Green Lantern. I mean. Anything like the movie was just kind of a solid meh. Yeah, I just you know it's not. He's just not one of my favorite you know comic book characters. And um, you know, like in, in brightest meh, in darkest meh, meh, <laughs> no meh will escape my meh. Which is you know, which is weird because like his powers are like you know infinitely you know uh, infinite possibilities almost. But I'm just you know it, it's never really interested me. And you know, yeah, from that—that's just like what Derek and Justin have been saying that the the Bruce Tim designs don't seem to translate so well to CGI. It looks very stiff to me, and uh, I don't know. It, it it just seems kind of boring to me. Uh, so, I mean, I'll give it a shot. I'll watch the pilot, and maybe it'll blow me away. But I'd rather watch something like traditionally animated, like you know, like Young Justice or you know, Avengers or what have you. I mean, even even like the Iron Man armored Avengers, even the CGI there looks like a lot more expressive than what I saw in those Lantern trailers. So you know, well, I mean, as far as my thoughts, I mean, it's really sad that the DCAU style which pretty much carried over from Batman the Animated Series all the way to uh, Justice League Un- Unlimited, was considered groundbreaking in a way because it was new. It was something we hadn't really seen before. But it's, like I said, it's sad that like when you transfer that to CGI, it's like, that doesn't work so well. You know, you're just... There, there doesn't seem to be any like, kind of dynamic motion. There doesn't seem to be any... You know, soul to the characters. You know, it's just like Hal walking in there, like I'm here for the Guardians. Yes, you are. You want to see them now? Yes, I do. They're ready to see you. I'm ready to walk in. Are you walking? I'm walking now. All right, I see you walking. I have now walked inside. You know, it's just, <laughs> just, it, it, I don't. I mean, they don't say that. It's not that stilted as far as the dialogue, but as far as the animation, that sounded that sounded like Jane from Firefly describing the Green Lantern animated CPS. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that's kind of how it came off. It was just, I mean, it doesn't look bad. I've seen bad cartoons. You've all seen bad cartoons. And nobody said it looks bad. It just doesn't look overwhelming, you know, like like Young Justice, you know, perfect example. 
of 2D animation that flows pretty good. The Young Justice series has good animation. When I watch it, I'm like, oh, the action scenes are good. I, I get the feeling of it. The pacing is nice. You know, there's there's action going on. I'm, I'm entertained. Just from that little trailer, I was like, yeah, he's flying, he's there, and he's done. So I'm I'm not hating on it. Don't get me wrong. That that trailer clip, whatever you want to call it, was not even a minute long. I mean, two minutes long. So you don't really get a whole idea of what's going to happen. But yeah, it's pretty much like everybody said. I, I I'll wait and see. But right now, I will say I'm not impressed. That's probably the best way I can put it. I, I would like to see something more interesting. I, I wish I would have saw the Red Lantern one you saw, Justin. I didn't see that trailer. I'm just I'm I'm wondering what kind of legs this show has because you know the 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 movie didn't do like super well. I mean I, I don't think it performed to expectations. So I mean I wonder if they were banking on the movie being like super popular or whatnot. I think they said like at the end of the day, right now it like covered costs. It paid for itself, but. As far as, like, a Dark Knight Returns or, hell, even Superman Returns, it didn't even do, like, that well. Compared okay, to... Uh, Dark, Dark Knight Returns is kind of unfair. Oh, I mean, no, no, I agree, I agree. That just uh, made a ridiculous amount of money in a time when it shouldn't have made money, so... Well, I mean, even Superman Returns, which was not well-received, I think, it, like, comparison, it did better than... It didn't do as good as Superman Right. The the only way I'd be interested, like super excited for this series, was if it was part of like the DC animated universe. Like they said, oh, this ties into you know, whatever Justice League Unlimited and all that. And I was like, oh, really? Well, then there's a possibility, you know, it'll get to stuff that I I know or I'm interested in. But I don't think that's the case. So. Well, I mean, it is Bruce Tim. There might be an episode where like you know Batman just shows up for no fucking reason. <laughs> Like, ah, uh, Green Lantern has been defeated by Sinestro. Here comes Batman, and he just punched Sinestro. I mean, what? What? <laughs> well, well, I think I think the fact that Hal Jordan's in it kind of negates any yeah. possibility that it's it's it has any way, shape, or form any ties to any older properties. I mean, if you look at the history though of of the shorter lived DC animated projects, whether they were tied to the animated universe or not. You know, Crypto only lasted basically for a season, you know, for the most part. And it was like 26 episodes. And then, you know, a lot of the other short-lived series were like, you know, like the Legion of Superheroes and... Um, static Shock. Uh, static. You know, well, Static Static actually lasted for like four seasons. So uh, that, well, that, that, that yeah. it didn't, I don't think it made the, the prerequisite amount of episodes, you know, the golden number. I don't think it made the 65 it, it was, episodes. It, it was getting higher ratings than Pokemon at one point. Yeah, It's pretty yeah. impressive. Wow. Yeah, no, no, I, I think it did good. It, it, but for some reason, they didn't make the prerequisite 65 episodes, I don't think, for syndication, which I always view as like, oh, you know, Teen Titans did that. It had yeah. the five seasons, you know, like they, to me, like, like even Brave and the Bold, I'm like, I'm content, you know, I'm like, hey, it had 26 episodes, 26 episodes and 13, you know, it made, it made the 65 number. I'm like, even if it's just quote unquote three seasons, you know, I'm like, hey, it, it had a good run of episodes. Yeah. You know? But, you know, when things kind of get cut short, like, you know, spectacular spider-man let's say you know you're kind of like oh i wish it could have had at least quote unquote you know 65 episodes or five seasons and so you know hopefully it gets a chance to find its sea legs and 
and do well, you know, worst case scenario, uh, you know, if you think it's short lived, you know, maybe it won't last longer than its initial 26 episodes or 13 episodes or whatever. Yeah, it might end up being more like a Zeta project or a Legion of Superheroes. Yeah. Well, at least looking on the bright side of things, like maybe we'll get some decent toys from this animated series to make up for the horrible Green Lantern movie toys. Oh, the Kyle Rayner toys? (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? Well, you know what I'm hoping, and this is really far-fetched and not a lot of faith in it, but I'm hoping maybe since, like, they might concentrate on the cosmic aspect of the Green Lanterns more, since it is, you know, more Green Lantern Corpse instead of just, you know, Green Lantern on Earth. Maybe we might see some stuff like Adam Strange or maybe uh, the Omega Men, something, you know, or Legion, like, not the Legion of Superheroes, but L-E-G-I-O-N, you know, that kind of stuff. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you never know. They're they're in outer space. They may deal with other aspects of the DC Universe, even if it's just alien races. You know, it might be nice to see the Kund or the, you know... Um, I'm trying to, you know, Tamaranians or, you know, or even, the Dominators, you know, guys like that. Yeah, Quard, like the the negative area where, like, Sinestro yeah, gets yeah. Up, yeah, that kind of stuff. I mean, there's possibilities for a Green Lantern cartoon, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not saying it sucks because it's Green Lantern. Just right now, I'm very much on the fence. Don't hate it, not saying it's going to suck, but also I'm not like, oh, shit, let's go fucking crazy, you know? <laughs> So yeah, it, it, it's it's I I agree with Mike. It's meh. It's meh right now. Just yeah, it is what it is. So n- n- hopefully we didn't kill anybody's expectations. You guys could totally look it up online. There's plenty of trailers, plenty of teasers. Make your own decision, of course. He must be under the effect of Lord. And Eve too, presum- presumably. <laughs> presumably. I guess we'll go ahead and uh, move on to our final segment of the week, which we always do. Uh, something awesome in your universe. I'm not really going to delve into it too much because we're going to go into this at a later date. But I will say one thing right now. Um, this is just really pretty cut and dried. There was some uh, information from uh, Comic-Con this week that Generations from the Transformers line is definitely going to continue. There's a couple of uh, repaints coming out with remolds. That made me happy. I was pretty pretty psyched about that. So that that was good news for me. What about you guys? Anything kind of cool over in your universe? What about you, Justin? Anything kind of cool in the wonderful world of the Barber Iron Man mask? <laughs> yeah, I recently finished uh, reading uh, Queen of the Damned by Anne Rice. Queen of the Damned is, I believe, the third in the Vampire Chronicles series that she wrote. And I know that vampires have been done to death the last, you know, three or four years or whatever but uh if you want to read some you know real non-sparkly vampires uh i would definitely recommend picking up the uh vampire chronicles series Stuart townsend is dreamy (laughs) yeah i've I've, I've never actually seen the movie like i've seen the interview with the vampire movie read the book but i've never seen the queen of the damn movie like i you know I, i i thought i would hate it but i i remember watching it and thinking that Aaliyah was actually pretty pretty good in it. So, but that was you know I I only saw it the one time in the theater, so it's been a long time. But that that those were my initial impressions. Cool. Yeah, uh, and Rice, you know, I mean, 
I know she's kind of falling out of favor right now, but I mean, I've enjoyed a couple of her books. I read Servant of the Bones and stuff like that, so yeah, not too shabby. I haven't read Queen of the Dam, actually. I probably should pick that up. What about you, Mike? Something kind of cool over there where you're uh, sitting at? And my cool thing this week is IDW's uh, Transformers number 22, which is written by James Roberts and drawn by Alex Milne. I probably mentioned it several times on this podcast before, but I, I, I think James Roberts is the shit. He writes, like, the awesomest Transformers stories I've ever read. And it was a great – he's only stepping in for two issues, and then they're doing, they're doing their big uh, chaos event. And then, like, next year they're going to kick off a bunch of cool shit that we'll probably talk about next week with the Comic-Con podcast. But uh, So I'll, I'll leave that aside. But I've got to say this one issue uh, is excellent. Like, if, you, if you've lost faith in Transformer in IDW's Transformer comics, pick up issue number 22. Uh, by James Roberts, uh, it 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 was fantastic. Like I, uh, Professor Smooth on Botox's been calling it like the best Transformers comic he's uh, ever read. I'm not gonna go that far, but it's definitely like it, after like 20 issues of like mediocrity and blandness, this was like a friggin' jolt of uh, electricity. It, just excellent, excellent writing. So I'm I can't wait. Uh, uh, to see more from uh, James Roberts on Transformer and stuff. <laughs> he liked it Damn, so much. Got, he started, <laughs> <a robot. laughs> started going more than meets the eye. I actually think people should listen to Mike because if you remember earlier in the uh, podcast series, he was pretty harsh on IDW. So the fact that he's actually giving them some praise, that speaks volumes. You probably check that out. Um, definitely uh, pick it up, see what you think. Uh, what about you, Derek? What do you think about something cool? In your world. Well, uh, you know, this week's been relatively awesome. I, I know I talked last week about Legends of the Dark King, but I also got a chance to see the Captain America movie today, which was pretty great. And I've also been playing the Super Soldier game on the Wii, and I actually, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a kick out of that. I think I'm almost finished. I, I must be on, like, one of the last boss levels, because the Red Skull's shown up and I'm fighting his... Uh, his iron uh, sauerkraut soldier or whatever his <laughs> name is, you know, like, so I'm like, I'm like, I must be pretty close to the end, but you can, you can use the, uh, Wii, uh, remote to, uh, lock on, you know, do like a target lock and you can earn up to like seven points to lock onto as far as your shield throw goes. And so it's, it's pretty fun to have like five or six guys come at you at once and when you when you aim the shield, everything kind of slows down in a beautiful Joe manner. If anybody knows what I'm talking about, I do actually. Where everything kind of <laughs> yeah. where everything kind of goes slow mo, and so you you can slowly sort of you know uh, lock on to you know the seven guys rushing you, and then when when you let it go, it's just like and they all fucking line up and get knocked over and stuff. And you know it's it's pretty fun. I like all the. Uh, the accents and stuff. You you might be interested in this, Justin, which I found amusing. But uh, when they show uh, what I'll refer to as the the howling commandos, they actually refer to them in the in the game. I thought for a minute I was like, is Namor and Human Torch going to show up in this game? Because because you know when he's talking to uh, Howard Stark on the radio when you do the levels, he's like they're like, oh the invaders are just outside, you know the the. 
you know, facility, like, they're on their way, Cap, like, make way for the invaders. And then when, when I finally figured it out, I'm all, oh, dum-dum, Dugan's an invader? I'm like, those aren't the invaders, <laughs> you know, but, but it was like one of those things where, you know, you're kind of like, oh, hey, that's, that's, you know, okay, whatever. But, um, but yeah, there's, there's plenty of cool, um, you know, bad guys and, and you're actually taking missions here and there from Baron Zemo and, and different guys to save his ancestral home from the Red Skull. Cause I guess there's inter disparagement between the ranks or something like that. And, uh, yeah, I, I had pretty fun playing, uh, pretty fun. I had a pretty fun time. I'm all pretty fun. I comb my hair with a pink comb. <laughs> no, I, I had, I had a pretty fun time, uh, playing, uh, yeah, Captain America Super Soldier. So. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, some good uh, picks this week. Uh, totally uh, check some of those out, the ones that are actually happening soon. My Transformers pick, you have to wait till the end of the year. At least that's what the teasers say. Pretty fun show this week. I, I'm glad we got to go over some really cool stuff. As far as Brian is gone, he ninja vanished. He does that sometimes. He didn't want to go into Pokeball, so he'll have that. But as far as everybody else goes on the Fan Holes podcast, I still remain Tony Chankaw. This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm Mike, and you guys are my best friends in a world we must defend. (laughs) 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 This is Team Fan Holes blasting off again. Meow, that's right. (laughs) How did they not suffer multiple bone fractures? Not not only from the force of the explosions, but landing from them. I just don't get it. That, <laughs> that's Pokemon the science of the science of Pokemon makes no sense. Everyone knows if you fall from that much of a height, your bones will be broken and shattered. Come on. How how, how can Brock see? <laughs> I don't know. The same way Captain Marvel does, I guess. <laughs>